0: Hi guys, I'm excited to be here. I love your leaders and I love your church. I think it's so cool. Um, I get to see Matt and and Sarah and Mercy and um, Jade and Jade's husband, Jordan. (laughs) Sorry, I talked to him all morning. I had no idea what his name was. (laughs) I do apologize. (laughs) But I love getting to hang out with them at our conferences and just getting to see them every once in a while. They're just amazing people. You guys are truly blessed to have two people who love your community so much and and just pour into you guys every week. So I hope you you treat them well, because I love them and I only see them four times a year. (laughs) Anyways, um, I'm excited. Uh, God put on my heart this morning to talk about um, just our purpose and to talk about what he's called us to do and where he's called um, called us to be, and to not think small about our lives. I think a lot of us, um, we kind of look and we go, well, I'm not Billy Graham or I'm not Bill Johnson or, you know, I'm not Reinhard Bonnke saving millions in Africa. So my life doesn't really have impact and it doesn't really, you know, it doesn't, maybe it doesn't matter as much as some other people. There weren't angels when I was born. No one got prophetic visions of the life I would lead. <laughs> and yet I think it's really important that we all recognize the importance of who we are. Um, I truly believe um, in Esther, um, Malachi tells her um, that what if you were made for such a time as this? And I believe that applies to each and every single one of us, um, that you were made for exactly where you're at. And I wanna study actually uh, Caleb, I forgot my phone, Um, because I believe when you look at his life and you look at who he was and you look at um, what he did you're, you can you can learn so much by studying someone. You can learn so much by just looking at who they are and what they're capable of. And Caleb is a unique individual because he didn't. He was never. Uh, he never heard God's voice directly. So in the Old Testament, um, you were basically once in a generation someone heard the voice of God, basically. No one, we, they didn't have the Holy Spirit. Jesus hadn't died yet. And so the only way you had communication with God was through a priest. So if you were a, a Levite, or if God just randomly picked you, like Moses, like Abraham, and was just like, I'm going to be your best friend. And everyone else is like, why can't I be your best friend? And that is just how it went back then. Um, and so one of the reasons I love studying Caleb is because he, he never heard God's voice. There wasn't prophetic words, there was no burning bush for him, and yet he led an astounding life that impacted so many people. And so I connect deeply with Caleb because, like I said earlier, there weren't angels the day I was born. I haven't seen a burning bush. I mean, we have the Holy Spirit, and so we, we get prophetic words, and we know things like that, but there wasn't, like, anything massive about my life. And I don't know about you guys, maybe some of you have, you know, actually met Jesus in the flesh, (laughs) and he's talked to you on a regular basis, but that's just not me, and so I connect so deeply to Caleb, because he's just an average Joe, he's he's just like all of us, and so I love studying his life, and so when you look at Caleb, um, the first time he's mentioned is in um, Numbers 13, and it's when he's asked to spy out the land of Canaan, and we're going to read it really quick, so if you want to turn to Numbers 13.1, I'm going to skip around a bit so you don't have to turn there if you don't want to because I might not read all of it, but I'm going to just read a portion of it so we get where we're going. And it says, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel. From each tribe of your fathers you shall send a man, every one a chief among them. So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran according to the command of the Lord, all of them men who were heads of the people of Israel. And these were their names. There's a lot of them. We're not going to read them. Caleb's in there. Joshua's in there. And some other names I can't pronounce. (laughs) Um, But so that's our first introduction to Caleb. And I think when we read the Bible, sometimes we forget that even though the first time they're mentioned, that's not the first time they're there. Technically, when Caleb is asked to spy out the land of Canaan, he's 40 years old. So that means 40 years prior, he's still in the story. And so the actual first time Caleb is, like, alive and around is when Moses murders the Egyptian. Caleb is born around that time. Have have any any of you heard that story? Yeah? I love that story, too. I think it's fascinating that Moses is a murderer, and yet God uses him to lead his people. I think there's so much hope for us. (laughs) If he can use a murderer, he can use me. (laughs) And so... Caleb is born right around this time period. And so just to set the stage just a little bit so you understand, um, Moses is plucked out of the Nile River and he's put into Pharaoh's house. He's raised as a prince of Egypt. He gets all the education. He gets everything. But he knows he's adopted because he doesn't look like everybody else. (laughs) Um, And so the the Hebrew people are slaves um, to Egypt. And so when they're looking... They look to Moses as their savior. I mean, can you imagine from the time you find out there's this bo- little boy who's being raised by the king of your country and that you're praying one day he's going to raise up, rise up, and save you all. And he's going to talk to the king and be like, hey, so my people, I don't want them to be slaves anymore. Can, can we release them? I mean, you have to have that hope and that, and that and just praying ceaselessly because God's already spoken to the people of Israel and been like, guys... I have a promise over you, you're going to go to Canaan, and you're going to take this land. I've promised it to your father Abraham, I've promised it to Isaac and to Jacob, and so this is where you're meant to be. So they all know we're not meant to be slaves. So they've put all their hopes, everything, into Moses, that he is going to rise up, take them out of slavery, and save them. And yet, what does he do? He goes and he murders an Egyptian, and then he runs away to the desert. I mean, seriously, how, how depressing is that? <laughs> Imagine 40 years of hoping and dreaming and then all of a sudden he goes kills someone, tries to hide it, and then runs off. I mean all your hopes and all your dreams and this is when Caleb's born. He's born into this. So for the next 35, 37 years all he hears is how terrible Moses is. Oh, that evil dude who was supposed to save us and ran off to the desert. We hope the coyotes and buzzards got him out there. I mean, seriously. And so you've got, you have Caleb is this fascinating character because um, on another note, Caleb's name means dog. And I know dogs are our best friend now, <laughs> but they didn't used to be. <laughs> Back in um, ancient times, dogs were actually considered vile and they were gross, and no one touched them because they were like buzzards. They ate a lot of dead things, um, and they scavenged, and they were gross, and no one liked them. The Bible uses dogs repeatedly to attest that you're just a vile, gross, despicable thing. And so for Caleb's name to mean dog is fascinating because it it probably attests to he may have been illegitimate, or there's also historical evidence that he could have been um, a half-breed. That's not a politically correct way of saying that. <laughs> but he was most likely half Hebrew and ha- or half another slave nation in Egypt. And so if you've ever felt like an outsider, if you've ever felt like you just didn't belong, if you know what it is to be bullied or to have people pick on you or to just look at you differently because of who you are, the way you look, how, how you speak, whatever it is, Caleb gets that. Because someone, for someone to name him Dog means he wasn't well-liked or well-treated. And yet what I love about him is he never lets that stop him. Caleb, for some reason, gets God. He's never heard his voice. He's never anything. And yet he intrinsically knows that God is a God who keeps his promises. He knows God loves him. He knows that one day God is going to take his people out of slavery. And they're not going to have to be slaves anymore. And the reason we know this is because when Moses shows up around the time that Caleb is 35, 37 years old, he follows him and he, he supports him. I don't know about you, but if the murderer showed up and was like, so guys, um, I, I uh, had this weird experience in the desert. There was this bush and it was on fire and I heard the voice of God. And uh, he told me to come back here and take you all out of um, Egypt because he doesn't want you slaves anymore. So I know I killed someone, and I know I lied about it, and I know I ran away 40 years ago. But who wants to follow me? (laughs) Yeah, no. Be like O.J. Simpson showing up and being like, guys, I heard God. I had this magical experience with Jesus. You are all meant to go to the Antarctic and start a new country. Who's on board? I mean, no. Who's dumb enough to be like, yeah, O.J., you know God? (laughs) I mean, it's insane. And yet Caleb has the audacity to believe God. And I think when we look at his life and this portion of it, we need to recognize something. There's something there for us because each and every single one of us has a purpose and we have, and God has a plan for you. Whether you think that's a big plan or a small plan, it doesn't matter because your life has impact. And as a result, Caleb, has massive impact because he knows God has called me to something. He's called me to support this person. He's called me to to, to love him, to, to, to do whatever he needs me to do. And so he does. He, he follows the crazy. And there's going to be times in your life where God is going to call you to the crazy. And he's going to ask you to do that thing you've never wanted to do, whether that's talking to your neighbor or making that friend in the school cafeteria that you don't like or at work talking to someone who is kind of weird, and maybe doesn't have any friends, or stepping out and quitting your job and doing that thing God's called you to do forever and ever. He's going to call you to crazy things that you're going to think is impossible, that you might not feel comfortable with, that's going to take you out of your nice little box you've created to keep you safe and warm. And when we recognize that and we realize God's going to ask big things of me, even if in reality they might not be big, big things, like you, you might not get called to Africa and that's okay, but if he calls you to your next door and Neighbor, sorry, (laughs) I've got a bit of a cold, guys, so I apologize. If he calls you to your next door neighbor and he says, this person needs Jesus, he needs me, he needs love, he needs support, and that's what you're called to do. That's big because you never know the impact you're going to have on someone's life. And Caleb does that. So he supports Moses. And as a result, he gets to see some of the most amazing miracles that have ever been performed. He gets to see the Nile turn to blood, the whole earth turn black. He watches frogs and gnats and um, uh, darkness come and just cover everything. He watches Egypt literally crumble before him. And then on top of it all, when Pharaoh finally lets them leave, he gets to see God part the Red Sea. Can you imagine walking across a sea with thousand foot waves on either side and you're walking on dry ground? just to recognize the magnitude of who God is and what he can do. He witnesses all that and he sees it all and it's absolutely amazing because that solidifies in him that I did the right thing. So when God calls me to the crazy, I'm gonna step out because I know he's gonna follow through. And so when you look at those things, you, you recognize that God's got it. No matter the crazy, no matter how uncomfortable, no matter what it is he calls me to, he's gonna provide even if it's in crazy ways like sending gnats or darkness making a river run with blood whatever it takes he will move mountains to get you to where you need to be and i love that about Caleb and then after that we're finally actually introduced to him and so the fir- where we just read in judge in sorry in um where are we numbers thank you guys in numbers that's where we actually meet Caleb so all of this has happened and we're finally now introduced to him but we never think of that we just think, oh yeah, he turned up. He's a cool guy. And so I love it when you when you dive into the Bible, he'll show you more of the story. When you you ask God, God show me more, show me more. Um, and so when you find Moses at, or sorry, when you find Caleb at this new point in his life, he's he's seen all the miracles. He's seen God move mightily over and over and over and over again. So when he's asked to spy out the land of Canaan, he's on cloud nine. I mean, this is it. This is everything he's been dreaming about. This is everything he's prayed for. This is his promised land. This is, this is everything. And so he gets to go. Him, Joshua, and the 10 other guys. And they go into Canaan, and he gets to taste and see the goodness of God. And I love that, because if any of you have ever had a dream in your heart, and you finally get to see it come to fruition, it's one of the most amazing experiences. And it just puts you on cloud nine. It's like when you've been, you know that gift you've always wanted? That thing you've been like, oh, I hope someone gets it to me one day. For your birthday or for Christmas. And when you open it up, that feeling of like, oh my gosh, I got it. It's, it's just that excitement, whether it's a new computer or an Apple Watch or, or an art set or whatever it is, that thing, even if you can remember his childhood, that, that gift you always wanted when you finally got it, how excited you were. That's how Caleb felt times 10. Because <laughs> he's getting to see the goodness of God, because God promised this to his great, 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 great grandfathers. And he's been a slave for 300 years, and yet here he is seeing the goodness of God. And I love that. And so he walks around with Joshua and the 10 other guys and they see the goodness. They see the hills are green and they're perfect for being able to farm and they're perfect for their sheep and their cattle. They see the cities and they're perfectly designed. It's like they were built for them. They're gorgeous. The land is amazing. It's everything he could ever dreamt or hoped for. I mean, they literally carry back a cluster of grapes this big. It takes two men to carry it. I mean, guys, those are big grapes. (laughs) He's going to feed my family for a week, and there's 12 of us. (laughs) And so he gets to see all the goodness that God is like, see, I told you, I have it all for you. And then he goes back, and he's so excited. Him and Joshua are like, dude, God's so good. I'm excited. I can't wait to tell everybody how good God is. We finally get to go here. And so they go and we all know what happens and it's the saddest thing. It absolutely breaks my heart because they go and they give a report and, it, and, it, and they let fear and they let disbelief cloud the promises of God. And the people of Israel, rather than trusting the God who parted the Red Sea, Trusting the God who took them out of slavery, trusting the God who, who took them out of their mire and their filth and the, and the mess they were in and brought them to the border of the most gorgeous land in existence, they said, no, let's go back and be slaves. And it's just heart-wrenching to me because I feel like in our lives, there's so many times where we just tiptoe right up to that promise and we look at it and we go, no, I can't take it. And we step away. And God's calling you not to let fear or doubt or identity issues, whether it's self-worth, whether it's anger or bitterness, whatever it is, he's calling you to take what is yours. He's put promises and purpose and dreams and plans and visions in your life. And he's waiting for you to be like, yeah, okay, I can take it. But the problem is the Israelites don't, and so they're cursed to wander the desert for 40 years. And we all know that story. But what I think is fascinating is when we look at Caleb's life, he, he stood strong. He stands and he says, no, guys, we can take this land. And he fights for them, and he fights with them. And he says, guys, we can do this. We can take the land. But because they let fear and disbelief stop them, he's punished as well. And I think that this is also a part of his life that we can learn a lot from, is Caleb doesn't let other people's failings, and he doesn't let the hurts that have happened to him, he doesn't let the pain and the angerness and the bitterness eat him up inside. Because we see 40 years later, after he's wandered the desert, waiting to be able to finally be taken out, we see that he calls them brothers. Brothers. And there's this beautiful verse where he's talking to Joshua, and he says, remember when our brothers stopped us from going in. And I don't know about you, but I wouldn't be calling the people who made me wander a desert for 40 years my brothers. I'd be so pissed. I'd be so angry. I'd be so just furious with them. There would be be no brothers. There would be those blithering idiots. (laughs) But yet he calls them brothers. And I think the reason that Caleb lived as long as he did, it says when he, w- he, he was cursed to wander the desert for 40 years with the Israelites at the age of 40. And by the time he was 80, he was finally allowed into the promised land. But it says that he was just as strong at 80 as he was at 40. And I believe God preserved him. And I believe God literally let him maintain a certain eternal youth because he didn't let bitterness, anger, And resentment fill his heart. And I think a lot of us, the reason we struggle with being able to get into our promised land, be able to get into the purpose, the dreams, the vision, the plans God has for our life, is because we let anger and resentment and bitterness fill up our hearts. And we let it just fester and sit there. And rather than walking in forgiveness and love, we just, we keep thinking on it. And we say, remember what they did to me. Or remember how that happened. Or, or we let the depression and the sadness of that, that unfulfilled hope sit. I don't know if you've ever had a dream that hasn't come to pass yet. And you've been waiting years. And you've been waiting years. And you've been waiting years. And you're like, God, when is this going to happen? And sometimes that, that deferred hope, that, deferred, that, that you haven't been able to have it yet, that can cause bitterness and it can cause anger in your soul and it can hinder you from walking in all God has for you. But if you, like Caleb, walk in forgiveness, and you trust God no matter what, he's going to take you exactly where you need to be. Because that's exactly what he did with Caleb. He lets him, he walks through the time of hurt, hurt and pain and grief, and he wanders the desert with a bunch of angry, upset people. Caleb and Joshua and Moses put down Rebellion after rebellion after rebellion after rebellion because the Israelites realized what they'd done and they wanted the promise. They didn't want to wait for it anymore. And so he has to deal with angry people for 40 years, but he doesn't let their anger and their resentment fill up his heart. And as a result, God preserves him. And he keeps him young so that he can still have the glory of what it would have been back here. And I love that about that story. Because no matter what, no longer how, you can, how long you have to wait, no matter how long um, it feels like it's just taking too long, or if there's been other people who have affected your dreams or your vision or the your, or your purpose for you, God still redeems it if you keep a pure heart before him. If, if you don't let anger and bitterness and resentment cloud up and muck up everything. And you still love people. And we know he loves people because Joshua and Caleb raise up the younger generation. They take everyone born, anyone 28 years of age and under, and then everyone born during those 40 years, and they raise them up to be mighty warriors. Because they know when we get here, they have to be able to fight. And they have to be able to take what God has promised them. We have to be able to drive the people out of the land. And so there's that aspect as well. So once the 40 years have finally come, Caleb and Joshua have raised up this mighty army. They haven't let bitterness and anger cloud them. And they finally, once again, have a chance to walk into the purpose of God and the promise that God's given them. And so they're finally there. And what I love about Caleb here is that he asks Joshua for the hardest thing. And I think that's just one of the craziest things that he does is after after 40 years of waiting and wandering, the very thing that he was terrified, that the Israelites were terrified to take. Um, it was called a place called Hebron. It's where the, when they said that they looked at us and, they, and we were like grasshoppers before him. That's how big they were. Um, they were the Anakin and they were, su- they were basically giants. They were just really tall dudes. <laughs> um, but they were terrified to take this place and it was called Hebron. And Caleb chooses to take Hebron. He asks Joshua specifically, hey, I want to take Hebron. I want to take the place that has caused the most hurt, that's caused the most damage, the place that put the most fear into everyone. I want to take that. And what I think we need to do is when we realize God's finally thrown open the doors and our promise is right before us and the dream and the purpose, we see, oh my gosh, the doors have finally opened and I can walk through. We need to think big and we need to not keep ourselves small and little but we need to think really really big and be like the bigger the better i'm going to take down the biggest portion and that's exactly what he does he takes down hebron and he drives all those giants out of that place he goes this is my town god promised me get out (laughs) and that's what we're all called to do we're all called to be like god you've opened the door but i'm i want more i want bigger i want the best one of the things um, I heard recently was Reinhard Bunke, someone was talking to Reinhard Bunke. Um, he's an evangelist in, in Africa, if you don't know, and he saved, I don't know, close to probably a billion people. <laughs> the man is unstoppable. Um, but he's, he's passing over his baton, and he's handing his ministry over to another man currently. And he was recently asked, why, if you could go back, what would you have done differently? Now we're talking about a man who saved millions of people, and his like, changed the face of this planet. And he says, I wish I would have thought bigger. Can you imagine that? He's done more than I can imagine in my life, and he wants more still. I'm like, dude, okay, yeah, my brain's got to get bigger. And that's exactly what Caleb does. He goes, I want bigger. I don't want just this little part. I don't want the little part where there's no scary men where that I have to push out. I just want this, this little portion right here. No, he goes, no, I want the biggest, I want the best, and I want to push out everything that wasn't supposed to be here. And that's what we're called to do. When God gives you the promise and your door's finally open and you've done all the hard work of preparing, of getting ready, of preparing yourself, preparing others, and the doors are finally flung open, don't be afraid to ask for more. Don't be afraid to be like, God, I want the best. I want bigger. I don't want just what my mind can contain. I want more. I want more and I want more. Because that's where it's going to take you even further. And I think when you look at that and you look at Caleb's life as a whole, you see someone who just loved God. You see someone who stood on his promises and said, yes and amen. God, whatever you have for me, I'm for it. Whatever you ask of me, I'll do it. I will walk in total and complete obedience. I will be respectful and honoring to the people above me. I will, I will fight every battle you put before me. I will love with an open heart. I won't let bitterness and envy and anger and resentment cloud me. But instead, I will walk forward in everything you have for me with a clear conscience and a pure heart. And because of that, he literally changed the face of this world. Without Caleb, where would we be? Because the Israelites didn't do what they were supposed to. After failing for 40 years, they still refused to push out all of Canaan. And as a result, they had thorns in their flesh for years. But Caleb pushed out everything in his sphere. And I love that because we are called to be more. We're called to do everything he's put in your heart to do. And it doesn't matter if you think it's just a small little thing. It doesn't matter if you think it's a big, big thing and you can't do it. Remember that God has you exactly where you're at, just so for a time as this. Your impact will always be bigger than you can imagine. And one of the things I love so much is I wouldn't be standing here if my grandma hadn't got saved two or uh, I don't know, 50 years ago. My family was Catholic on both sides, they, they, they loved God, but they didn't have a revelation on what it is, like what we do right now. They walked in a lot of religion, they walked in a lot of traditions, and that, that, that's fine, but I wouldn't have the freedom and the ability to do what I'm doing right now if my grandma hadn't gotten saved. And so she might think her life is small, she might think her impact is menial, but I stand before you today because of her. You don't know the impact you have on people. You don't know the ripples that your life create. You don't know the change you might be doing in someone else. Someone had to bring Reinhard Bonnke to Jesus. Someone had to tell Billy Graham what the gospel was. There's always that one person. And when you get to heaven, it's not going to be how many people did you save? It's going to be God going, did you do well with what I put in your hands? did you pursue the dreams and plans and purposes i put in your heart did you stand before me with a pure holy heart eager to do whatever i put in your heart and so that's that's basically it we look at the life of caleb and i love him because he was an average joe who loved god walked in obedience and pursued everything he had all the dreams all the purposes there was no burning bush, there was no fire from heaven, there was no angels, there was just him. And each and every single one of us are called to more than we think we are. You are called and destined for a purpose that's greater than you can imagine. You don't know the ripples your life will, will affect in other people, the change, the hope, the love. And it's a beautiful thing when we're in heaven one day and we can look down at the tapestry of our life and we can look down at the effects we had and being like, yeah, I'm here today because you did this. Or I'm here today because of this one person you spoke to who then spoke to this person who then loved this person and that's how I'm here. I mean, God's gonna lay it all before you and you're gonna be mind boggled by the impact your single life can happen, can have. And so that's just what I want to encourage you with today is you can lead an amazing life no matter where you're at, no matter what you think you're capable of. If you walk in everything God has for you and you just love him entirely and say, God, whatever you want, I'll do. And you follow after that dream and that vision and that promise he's put inside your heart, your life is gonna be radically changed and it's gonna be better than you could ever imagine. You will be on an adventure that you will love every second of every day. So I'm just going to pray really quick as we end.